Hello, this is Russell Jenkins with ABC Home and Commercial Services. I want to thank you guys for coming back for episode two of the Go Anteater podcast. Today we have Travis Gates sitting with me. He is our guest and we have him. He's a board certified entomologist along with a lot of other credentials. But the one that pertains to um, the episode today that we'll be discussing is his board certified entomologist. Um, we are going to take a look at the movie Eight-Legged Freaks and talk about how there's some inaccuracies to what the arachnids or the spiders have in that movie. Just a few inaccuracies. It's not, it's not too dramatic, but, um, we'll take a, we'll take a dive into that and take a look at to how that is not accurate to what you see in the real world. So with that, um, I'm going to let Travis take it over here and he's going to kind of just explain the premise of Eight-Legged Freaks. All right. Uh, hello. Like Russell said, my name is Travis. Um, but Eight-Legged Freaks, a uh, bit of a campy movie, um, like a lot of them are. You know, Sharknado and that kind of thing. That's kind of where I'd put Eight-Legged Freaks. Um, basically, classic situation. Happens in the real world all the time. Chemical waste spills into a pond, gets on crickets which are somehow living in a pond. The crickets are fed to a bunch of spiders by some crazy guy keeping a bunch of spiders, and that, of course, turns into gigantic, mutated monster spiders that want to kill everything. So, you know, normal stuff happens. You know, that'll probably be next year's apocalypse. But that's kind of the basis of the movie. Obviously, there's the underlying love story that has to be there. Um, but for the most part, we, you know, there's interesting spider stuff going on so we'll uh we'll try to talk about some of those things and uh see if there's anything in particular that uh stands out i've i've made some notes you know as as i watch the movie it's a little more analytical but uh we'll uh go through and some people had some questions things like that i think we're going to address and uh we'll just see where we end up and what comes out of this so uh yeah Every, what do you think, Russ? Every bad horror movie always has something around some love story in the movie somewhere. There's got to be a love story. It's, That's part it's of what the horror. progresses the movie. Well, yeah. because if you don't care about who's dying in it, if it, there's no that's love That's right. In you got to increase the stakes, right? Exactly. Yeah. And if the, the hot sheriff was not at constant risk of being killed by a giant spider, you wouldn't care. Yeah, no one would watch yeah. the movie. Who cares about that tiny town? Exactly. Let the spiders have it. it yeah. Yeah. It's so. their problem, not ours. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> But yeah, it's a, uh, it's probably not the best movie, it's ever been made. But I'm not a movie critic, so I'm not going to comment too hard on that. I still enjoyed watching it, just because it made me laugh, and sometimes that's what we need. Uh, you don't think that this will win like any awards at any point? I know it's been a while, but you know, I think it probably won't win any now. Yeah, I don't know. Did it win like a raspberry or something <laughs> when it came out? Was that a thing back then? <laughs> I don't. What year did this movie come out? I don't even remember. Two thousand four, I it believe. Was, yeah, it was the the aughts somewhere in there. Yeah. So yeah, it you know that hell. That's the year I graduated high school. That's so long ago now. <laughs> I'm very old. I'm surprised my poor vision could see the screen for the movie. <sighs> Anyways, did you enjoy the movie, Russ? I did. Um, you know, it's that perspective of having uh, an interest in that type of world where it's all about insects. Besides that, I mean, yeah, well, Sharknado let's, is a, Let's be correct here. It's not an insect. Not it's insects. It's an arachnid. Arachnids, I know. Right? I know that they're so, different. Even as a board-certified entomologist, I will give the small caveat that, you know, I'm not a spider expert. 
I have plenty of experience with them, but I can't claim to be an arachnologist. But, you know, we're the closest thing that we've got here at ABC, so I'm just going to fill the role. <laughs> so I do what I'm told. That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, so what would be the most glaring thing to you right off the bat, besides obviously that they mutated from eating crickets and became these massive creatures <laughs> that we all know is obviously not what they're going to see in the real world, but... yeah. What's the first thing that stuck out to you as a BCE um, as to, oh, that's glaring and obvious? Honestly, the first thing that struck me was the fact that the guy is collecting these contaminated crickets by scooping them out of a pond, which is not where crickets are from. So I don't even know why he was collecting crickets from a pond in the first place, because crickets are not aquatic. Um, So that part confused me. I mean, crickets drinking the contaminated water? Okay, I could have bought that. But no, he was scooping them with a little, you know, fish aquarium net out of the pond to collect to feed to the spiders, which is strange. Also, if you do keep pet invertebrates, you really shouldn't collect wild caught specimens to feed them because you don't know if they've gotten into pesticides and things like that. They could then harm your pet as well. So, yeah, that that was kind of the first thing that set me off was it's like, why? Why is it crickets from a pond? He could have collected minnows and said, oh, we're feeding the spiders minnows. Okay, some spiders eat minnows. That's okay. But, yeah, no, this just kind of kind of didn't work for me. Right out the gates. Yeah. I will say overall, the modeling of the spiders is pretty good. Like, the actual shape of the spiders is good. They don't move like spiders, but they look <laughs> like spiders. So I'll give them some credit that there was a little bit of cohesion there with actual spiders and what we were seeing on screen yeah i don't know that's that's probably the biggest thing the crickets um after that obviously spiders being outright aggressive towards everything now this could be irritability due to being exposed to chemical waste i would be a little irritable as well i think um but i think in this situation just spiders are not aggressive animals you know, there are some that will pretty aggressively defend their homes. Um, the Sydney funnel web, like we have in Australia, that one does a lot of this kind of fang-bearing behavior where it rears up and flashes fangs at you. But it's just saying, hey, back off, right? right? But that's if you get close to it. It's not going to charge a mile and then come after you and say, hey, <laughs> I live over there. Stay away, right? So I don't know. It, it paints them in a negative light. And I think spiders have enough negative press as is. So, you know, this is an unfair movie. From a spider rights standpoint. From a spider rights. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm all about equality for spiders and invertebrates of all kinds. And uh, spider rights is something that I think are worth fighting for. So you hear it here first in the Go Anteater podcast that we are for spider rights. Spider rights. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Explain that away, marketing team. Oh, man. <laughs> That's definitely a task. <laughs> um so we do have a few questions that came in from some of our listeners. Do you mind if I ask you some of those questions at this time? I will do my best to respond. <laughs> so it said, in one of the beginning scenes, a tarantula jumps at the little boy peeking through the glass of its habitat. Can spiders be this aggressive as jumping at you a scare tactic like how roaches fly at us? I feel like we just touched a bit we, of this. We did touch on this just a bit. Yeah, most spiders are not just straight up aggressive, right? Um, especially to humans, you're a huge thing to a spider. Perspective-wise, they see us and they freak out, 
right? Because you're this giant that's coming in. They don't want to mess with you. <laughs> if you saw someone that was a thousand times taller than you, you would probably run away as well. So most of the time, that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to hide. They're going to try to get away from you. Um, the situations where spiders do end up biting people are pretty much always a last resort. They didn't have a choice. You trap them in that shoe that you put on. That's where you got bitten. So it launching itself at the glass to try to eat a little boy is pretty unrealistic here. Um, we're not really going to see that sort of behavior. Um, but we do have spiders that, again, like we said, the funnel web bears their fangs. They'll rear back. You'll see they lift their front legs up in the air, try to look really big, and then they'll show their big fangs just to kind of be, hey, back off. Um, we have some spiders that do use uh, what they call urticating hairs on their body, which basically can be on their back legs, on their abdomen, and their hairs that uh, they're kind of shaped like little hypodermic needles. So the spider will actually turn towards you and brush its legs across their abdomen, and they fling these little needle-like hairs at you, and they cause itching and burning. Um, if they get into, like, your eyes, they cause a lot of pain. Um, so they work as a pretty good functional defense mechanism there. But, again, that's because they're trying to protect themselves. It's not because they're being aggressive. So most of that behavior is going to be, hey, this is a warning, rather than, you know, I'm trying to get you with this. Right, right. Yeah. Well, then another one that we have on here. So it says, we move along to the scene where the spider jumps out and burrows into a hole and drags a cricket into its lair. Do spiders eat crickets, and do spiders have layers or dens? Uh, yeah, so spiders actually eat a great many things. Um, they will pretty much eat whatever they can capture that's smaller than they are. Um, depending on the type of hunting mechanism that a spider uses, obviously they might capture different types of prey. Um, you know, there are spiders like the trapdoor spider, which is something mm -hmm. we see there in that scene um, where it flips up the lid, looks like a little lid to a box or trash can, and darts out, grabs things, and pulls it in. Um, so trapdoor spiders, absolutely real. Um, we do have those guys. They usually are not very big. They live down in a forest floor. Um, and they build their little trap door, and outside of that little disc, which is basically they make a little silk-lined tube that they're living in, um, in that little burrow, and then the lid is actually silk as well that they then coat with dirt and leaves and things like that to create that solid kind of disc at the top. Um, so it is a little solid door. It's got structure to it, right? Outside of that little trap door, they'll have these little thin strands of web that kind of run off of that, in a little spread pattern around their trap door, and that acts as trip wires. So the spider will actually sit there in there with its front legs kind of resting on the trip wires, and they wait for the vibration, and then they jump out and grab whatever it is. Um, so dens, layers, things like that absolutely are a thing that we see. Um, if people keep a pet tarantula, you might notice that your tarantula likes to kind of find a pocket in that little enclosure where they live. That's their space. That's their safe space, right? Anytime a spider or something is out and exposed, it's potentially at risk from predators. So, yeah, they definitely take space. Um, now, if we go to, like, our web-building spiders, um, the web-building spiders are going to be things where, obviously, they're not going to have a little den in most cases. They're going to be out sitting on the web in right. a lot of cases. So it just depends on the spider. In that case, the web is actually acting as a defensive option for them. So the web is there to intercept things that are coming after the spider. So we've got different ways of collecting food, different ways of kind of interfacing with their world, which is kind of interesting. But food-wise, um, invertebrates, pretty common option. Crickets, extremely common. You'll see a lot of people will collect crickets and stuff to feed to tarantulas and pet invertebrates at home. Um, 
obviously, like I said, wild-caught crickets, not healthy for your pets. So do that with a little bit of risk. Um, but crickets are common. Uh, cockroaches are actually a favorite food for a lot of our roaches. Uh, not our roaches. Favorite food for our tarantulas and spider, larger spiders. Uh, cockroaches tend to have good fat deposits and things, so they're a good meaty meal for them. Give them a lot of good protein and fat. Um grasshoppers, anything they can capture. There are actually aquatic spiders that nest in these little air bubbles they create underwater, and they'll collect and catch minnows and tadpoles and things and eat those. So uh, some of our big web builders, like the big orb-weaving spiders, they can catch small birds sometimes, and if it's caught in the web, they can eat it. So, yeah, they, they will eat all kinds of different things. <laughs> um, I do want to backtrack just a hair, though, because there's a couple scientific names that came up in the movie as they were going through kind of he's showing the little boy his spiders um the names that they used are actual spiders right those are real things um but the spiders you're seeing on the screen don't quite match up to what he's saying they are so yeah he's using real scientific names but you can look that thing up it's got a specific description right so if you're looking in the actual you know paperwork that describes these species you can pretty clearly go, eh, that's not quite what we were looking at. Um, so Lycosa narbonensis is one of the big ones. Um, Lycosa is going to be most of our big wolf spiders. A lot of people are familiar with wolf spiders. Those are going to be our big brown and white spiders that we see. Um, some people will call them tarantulas, but they get about three inch across leg spans. It's a big spider, but it's not a tarantula. Um, so the one they commented on was an actual tarantula in that enclosure. That was not a wolf spider. Um, and then the other one, the Harbonatus orbis, they said that's a jumping spider. It is a jumping spider. But the ones they're looking at there are already two inches long. That spider normally is like less than half an inch. It's a little guy. So this is uh, maybe they're already on the steroids at that point. I don't recall. <laughs> um, but these things have gotten slightly out of hand. And if it's already that far out of hand and he's only been collecting his pond crickets for a little while... Yeah, I can see why the movie goes off the rails just a little bit. <laughs> Sorry for the uh, diversion, sir. No, no, so you're saying that Hollywood got something wrong. Maybe. 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 It I'm, not, I'm not going to say anything specific. It, but would this be? I wonder, yes. definitely not the first time. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, Hollywood wouldn't lie to us, Russell. No, never. They have no, why would they? What do they benefit from it? Um, one of the other questions we got was, in the movie, it stated that the orb weaver spiders are protected. Is this true? Why are they considered good spiders? I mean, we have the idea of protected, which can be a couple things, right? So if we think of a protected species, in most cases, we're thinking it's got some sort of like governmental level of protection. Um, you know, well, this is an endangered species. It's a, something that's already on the threatened list, so we're protecting it. Um, most of our invertebrates don't make that cut. There are a number of them that will be on the endangered species list, but people don't seem to care about them like they do anything furry and fuzzy and happy looking. Um, so they don't get as much glory as some of our other things. Um, to my knowledge, I'm not sure what orb weaver could or could not be on, you know, a protected list for a legal reasons. Um, but we do think of some things as beneficial. Spiders in general are beneficial organisms for us. Spiders are actually a great thing to have around, especially coming from a pest control perspective for what we do. Um, spiders are doing pest control, right? They're out there all the time 
doing pest control. So they actually, their presence around a property actually will reduce all of the other instances of occasional invaders and other outdoor insects that could wander inside because you've got spiders that are patrolling the property or have their webs up to collect all the mosquitoes and flies and things that are trying to get inside. So as far as a protected species or a good spider, orb weavers are actually one of the better options. And part of the reason for that is orb weavers with the big webs, they build those really beautiful, intricate webs that people picture when you think of a spider web. Mm-hmm. Um, but orb weavers in general make these huge webs. They're out. They're noticeable. They're outdoor spiders primarily. They don't build a lot of indoor webbing unless it's really kind of disused spaces. Right. Um, but those webs collect a ton of flying insects, including things like mosquitoes, which obviously most people are not huge fans of mosquitoes. Um, so... Orb weavers, I would put them on the good list for sure. Yeah, unless you're hiking and you get the web that wraps like around your whole body. And then maybe they don't feel so good at the time. Right. <laughs> but it's not going to hurt you. It's going to be okay. Let's take a look. Let's take another question that we had from some of our listeners. They had... Um, Refer to the notes. I know, right? Joshua, the exotic spider keeper makes the statement she fills her prey with digestive acid to liquefy the internal organs so she can drink it from the inside out delicious referring to her blood meal is this how spiders eat so you've got a couple different feeding strategies for our spiders Um, some of them do actually make a hole Um, there's certain spiders that have stronger kind of jaw muscles. Spider mouth parts are built different than most insect mouth parts are. Um, they work with chelicery, which is kind of a different organization of the mouth parts. So we do think of the classic spider fangs, right? They don't have a big chewing mouth like we think of a grasshopper or something having. Um, so some spiders have enough musculature to the mouth parts that they can actually kind of pierce the exoskeleton of a prey item and tear a tear an opening and then inject digestive fluids in there Um, so that is one option is injecting the digestive fluids and they basically squirt their stuff in they let it do its work the enzymes dissolving muscle and everything from the inside and then they'll slurp up their good smoothie from inside whatever the prey was and they will tend to leave kind of a husk you know, their, their juices are going to go in, and it may take multiple injections and kind of cycles of feeding. It's not going to be they injected you once and it ate all the interior and then they <laughs> slurped it dry, right? Um, a lot of our spiders, though, operate on a similar principle, but they don't actually tear a hole first. Um, so things like the orb weavers, um, when they wrap up a prey item, they've got it already kind of ensconced in the webbing. They've bitten it, and basically their venom will paralyze and things like that. Um, And then they will actually spray digestive fluids on the exterior of that animal and start kind of breaking it down from the outside. Um, So as they kind of let that digestive fluid kind of soak through and eat through those tissues, they will kind of almost squeeze it down, kind of like if you were soaking up your orange juice in a sponge and then squeezing the sponge into your mouth. Okay. That's kind of the way they're eating is, you know, they've, they've spilled the juice, they've soaked it up in the sponge, and now they're squeezing that liquid back into their mouth. Gotcha. Um, so they will kind of end up with this crunched up ball of what used to be an insect because they've had to go through this cycle of kind of juice and squeeze over and over again. So depending on what insect or what spider that you've seen feeding, you'll find a different type of kind of husk left behind. So if you guys notice cobwebs or spider webs like that, um, something that you'll probably notice is you get these little kind of 
webbed up balls of stuff that will collect underneath the webbing. And that's kind of those discarded little balls of trash that are the wadded up remnants of whatever they were feeding on. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, one of the other ones that we had that was in that same line of uh, questioning from that same listener was... It's another left field one. Uh, can spiders eat birds? And I know we referenced that with the orb weaver can do it. Um, but then they asked particularly parrots. <laughs> so I know at, at several points in the movie that the spiders feed on some some interesting objects, right? So we've got the parrot. Mm-hmm. We've got, obviously, the humans. Um, we had a cat at one point. There was an epic battle with a cat behind the drywall. Um, which was really surprising to me because I didn't know drywall was quite that flexible like they showed in the movie. (laughs) Even at one point where they're fighting in the ceiling and you can see the whole ceiling is just flexing kind of like a trampoline. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, um, yeah, so birds, cats, larger animals. Really, you're not going to see spiders feeding on a lot of larger things. If it's a smaller item than they are and they can subdue it, a spider may feed on that. So like a tarantula, you can find tarantulas feeding on mice. Um, They will capture small birds if the birds may be injured and on the ground and it just happens to be there, right? But if it's large enough that it puts up a good fight, usually they aren't going to go after it because they could get injured. So they have a little risk versus reward that they're going to work out. Um, Something like a parrot, you know, I know there's some small varieties of parrots, but generally they're going to be too big for something like our spiders to eat. Um, there's even a group of tarantulas. One of the largest spiders in the world is the Goliath bird-eating spider, right? It's called a bird-eating spider. And you think, well, it must eat a lot of birds. No, generally it doesn't eat a lot of birds. <laughs> um, it got that name because there was a wood carving of one eating a bird that a conservationist or someone found when they went to that part of the world, and they named it after this kind of carving that they had seen. But... It's Hmm. not something that's going to eat a lot of birds. Could it eat a bird? Absolutely. The Goliath bird eater has a leg span that's just under a foot. Wow. It's a large spider, right? So it could eat maybe a parrot if it happened upon one. But that parrot's probably already going to be on its way out if it's in a position where the spider can easily get to it and capture it. Right. So they will eat larger prey items. It's not all crickets and cockroaches. um, But it's going to be situational. You know, if they can catch it, they can subdue it maybe they'll have a munch but yeah we don't have a lot of risk to humans that a spider is going to try to take you down for the purpose of feeding so unless you're looking particularly juicy today i don't know well and then one was uh that was sent in actually kind of shows a little bit of a plot hole in this um this perfect movie one? that we there, have there's a plot hole oh there's one definitely only one right uh, probably everything this, else is i bet this tight. is the one plot hole that ruins the whole movie oh i'm sure it is so the question is why wouldn't the toxic chemical spill effect sorry yeah why would the toxic chemical spill not affect other bugs and insects valid question right um especially again we've got our scooping of the crickets from the pond well why weren't the crickets gigantic right like why was it it was just arachnids that were affected by this specific chemical waste and that could be it it was an arachnid specific chemical only to their DNA. only to them right so i would expect then large scorpions and ticks and mites of all kinds now it's going to be mega mites right Instead of mites that you can barely see, we're going to have mites that are like the size of a small dog. Um, But it is definitely a a plot hole here. Um, I mean, 
part of my thinking with the whole size thing too goes back to the fact that you're never going to get spiders and things like that that large in the modern world. So if we go back prehistoric times, we actually have a period of time where we had gigantic kind of arthropods. And arthropods are going to be pretty much all of our stuff with an exoskeleton, mm-hmm. right? Exoskeleton, paired jointed appendages, bilateral symmetry, and they breathe through gills or spiracles and trachea. Um, so that's our quick rundown of arthropods. <laughs> uh, but we see stuff in museums and stuff, right? You've got gigantic centipedes um you've got some of these huge scorpions and things like that that used to exist dragonflies with four foot wingspans right and part of the reason those things could exist at that point in history was because the oxygen saturation in the atmosphere was so much higher the percent o2 in the atmosphere was just way off the charts compared to what we have now um insects and arachnids basically don't breathe through lungs like we do right so All of their gas exchange is done passively through diffusion. So the larger an organism gets, the harder it is for those gases to exchange, you know, the way they're supposed to throughout the body. Right. So we do have kind of an upper size limit for our arthropods right now. Anything that's breathing through those spiracles and trachea, which are going to be kind of the holes in the exoskeleton leading into little series of tubes. Um, If we go to aquatic, we don't have quite the same limits because now it's oxygen in the water. And that's a whole different ballgame. Um, But we definitely still have kind of limitations on terrestrial creatures that we won't get um, elsewhere. So there's an upper limit. That's part of why these spiders, even if they did mutate to get that large, I have no idea how they were breathing. So maybe they developed lungs as well in the process of mutating to giant size. (laughs) That could be it. That's why they were also able to scream now and and make noises at you. Because, spoiler alert, spiders don't make a whole lot of noise. Yeah, no, that caught me off guard the first time I watched it. <laughs> I mean, it makes it more dramatic for sure, right? That's accurate. If, if it was just a bunch of giant silent creatures, I think it would be even scarier somehow, though. You know, if it was just these spiders that just came out of nowhere and just silently launched themselves onto people's faces, that's a little more creepy than the one that screams first and then does a war cry and, you know, charges into action. Let's you know it's coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah at least you had warning. I could yeah, turn right. and look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Movie would just be really boring with people getting hit in the back of the head by giant spiders. <laughs> so, uh, and then we covered over the so the largest spider that we known is the I'm assuming the the Goliath bird eater. Yeah, okay. the South American Goliath bird eating spider. Um, but yeah, it's it's almost a foot across. It weighs almost half a pound. Wow. I mean, it's a it's a pretty large critter, right? Wow. Um, and obviously, it takes them a while to get to that size. Um, arthropods do take a while to, to grow to size because they have to go through a molting process. Um, there's a lot of risk of failure if conditions aren't met or they didn't get quite the right mix of food. So it's, I mean, it is not unheard of for them to be that size. That is the upper limit of what we have found so far. Gotcha. Um, so it is a, a large, beefy spider. And I used to have an Ecuadorian bird eater as a pet. And it was, she was only a few years old and she was already about eight inches across. So she was really cool. Her name was Fred, as you would name all female spiders. Yeah, Fred. Um, but yeah, I gave Fred to the Science Museum in Fort Worth. Not so. Walma. No, no, just Fred. <laughs> just Fred. It's harder to sex a giant spider. <laughs> That's the act of telling the sex of the spider, not something more sinister. Yeah, just want to uh, clarify. <laughs> I was a young boy. Anyways. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if that helps or hinders the yeah, situation. I, once I said it, it kind of didn't make it better. 
Oh. So one of the questions that was asked was, what would happen if they ate a spider? <laughs> if humans eat spiders? Yes. Well, and we hear this online all the time. You eat so many spiders in your sleep every year, right? Right, right. Well, only if you sleep with your mouth wide open and the spider happens to be particularly stupid, right? <laughs> um, yeah, you breathing in and out is not something that's attracting the spiders to your gaping jaw. So that's something that we have to keep in mind. You may eat a spider every once in a while. It's okay. It's protein, right? Um, we also, this does make a good point on the difference between poisonous and venomous, right? So pretty much every spider, most of our arachnids are going to be venomous in some capacity, right? And venomous is if they bite you, you get sick. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way it applies. Poisonous is if you bite them, you get sick. Right. So spiders in general are not poisonous to the point where if you eat them, you're going to suffer any ill effects. Um, it's really going to be venomous. So if they got into your mouth and bit you while you were eating them, well, that's just fair game. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> you know, game on. You tried to bite them, they bit you back. Uh, but otherwise, it's just a little protein. You're going to you know, probably not even notice that it happened. Um, spiders don't have the super hard exoskeleton that like things like a beetle would have. So you wouldn't even necessarily get a good, you know, nice crunch. You might get a little pop, a little bit of kind of goo coming out, but you're not necessarily going to notice. So it depends on the size of the spider, I guess. People in other parts of the world eat things like tarantulas and stuff like that on a regular basis, right? Invertebrates are a big protein source in a lot of diets around the world. Um, it's just us in bougie America here that uh, don't want to eat a lot of insects. Oh, so that's the key to losing, you know, the last little bit of weight is just focus on only eating. Hey, cricket protein products. There you go. Um, the HEB stores actually carry cricket protein products. Really? Um, yeah. If you want to make baked goods, you can supplement like up to half of the f- normal flour in a recipe with cricket flour and basically make like a protein cookie. And Out of crickets. Yeah. Cricket flour is just freeze dried ground up crickets and it looks like flour. Wow. It tastes a little bit earthy. It doesn't have a bad taste. But, yeah, you can supplement your protein intake by adding in some crickets. They've got cricket protein bars and energy bars. Uh, They've got a company that makes chips out of ground-up crickets called Chirps. Chirps. Yeah. (laughs) Not a sponsor yet. Hey, hey, Chirps, talking to you. Um But, yeah, I mean, good marketing, right? Yeah, no, I love it. I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, people think of the the chocolate-covered insects and things like that, right? You can eat insects. You can eat invertebrates. So it's it's not a big deal. You know, eat a spider. Go out and catch one on the street. Pop it in your mouth. See what happens. Well, maybe kill please it Please don't first. do that. Yeah. <laughs> please, please don't do that. Not endorsed by ABC Home and Commercial Services. Or else they might bite back. And yeah. then now we're, now we're in a different ballgame. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> I have eaten a spider before. It's not that bad. It's not. It's don't not. buy the ones that are, like, in a can. Because they sell those. You can buy, like, a tin can with a spider in it. Yeah, it's like for you to eat this tarantula in a can. They smell horrible. Anything like that preserved that way smells bad. Well, yeah, I mean, they have hamburger Invertebrates in kind of smell like bad seafood. Okay. So, yeah, you, you want them prepared or freeze-dried or something. That takes a lot of that funk away. Yeah. Right? So, also, like we said, don't feed wild ones to your, your pets. Don't eat wild-caught random insects, especially not in an urban area. There's a lot of pesticides out Just there. Just a good rule of thumb there. Yeah. So, yeah. Go to the pet store. Buy the ones they have there. <laughs> Don't eat the crickets at the pet store. Just Those let them know. You know, I, I'm here. It's like you're going into the supermarket. You just tell the person, hey, yeah. I, what's the cuts of meat you got from the tarantulas here today? There, You know, you actually get more protein out of a pound of crickets, pound for pound, than you do from a pound of beef. Wow. So, yeah, it takes a lot less water. takes a lot less food. You want to be eco-conscious, you should be eating more crickets. There you go. 
There you so go. Just throwing it out there. That's how you have an impact. Next company barbecue, all crickets. <laughs> cricket buns, cricket. Hey, they're cheap. I can raise them in the Fort Worth office. There you go. I'll, I'll do that for you. I appreciate when, that when we've get, When we've got enough, we'll announce the company barbecue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we'll have, you know, the cricket Man, the protein. Christmas party is going to be so good this year with the carved <laughs> up cricket roast. Man. Everyone it's not should a specialized really knife that you need. For yeah, that. yeah. I've got little tiny dissection tools we'll use. <laughs> you want the dark meat? Here's the leg. <laughs> yeah. The legs and the wings get stuck you in know. your teeth. Just eat the body. The Christmas plate goes from, you know, like a full thing of meal towards just like this tiny little <laughs> sliver of a moose bouche yeah. of cricket. Yes. We'll, we'll sell it for $60 a This is a cricket a puree with a, a cricket roast on top. Yeah. You know, yes. sell it for 60 a plate. It's bougie. They go well with orange. I'm just saying. With orange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, ginger, orange, nice sharp citrusy flavors. Those okay. work well with cricket. So like orange energy cricket bars. Yeah. Okay. I've tried them in a random capacity. I know this is a side topic from uh, spiders. I apologize for the diversion. Hey, it's all part of it. Um, one of the other questions we had was, in the movie it claims that spiders are nocturnal hunters. Is this true? Uh, in most cases, we see a lot of spider activity in the evening hours um a lot of things that are out moving around looking for food are going to do so in the cover of darkness right it's helping protect them from predators um so some spiders will be active during the day but they're also living in environments where they don't get a lot of daylight Um, things like our ground spiders which are active hunting spiders they kind of live down at the base of your lawn so they'd be under the grass if you think about honey i shrunk the kid where they're shrunk down they're in your lawn and it looks like a giant forest that's the environment where ground spiders are hunting so it stays pretty dark and shady Um, but nocturnal behavior is not uncommon for a lot of our spiders Um, some of them like the big wolf spiders don't really seem to care Um, but you also have to think about the environment where they're living so if we think about texas right now this time of year right it's about 14 million degrees outside (laughs) it's dry because we haven't seen rain in the last 18 years um Things don't want to be running around during the daytime, right? So they wait until at least the sun's gone and not actively trying to kill them. Right. They might yeah. dry up themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, nocturnal, pretty pretty common. Well, and then um, it's asking, this question that we have is um, the question that we have, and this we might start wrapping up around this time. So do you com- do spiders communicate with one another? I like this one. Is there a hierarchy as suggested in the movie? Well, obviously they screech loudly at each <laughs> other, which is what we saw in the movie. That Those were actual spider vocal recordings, right? Um, spiders do communicate to an extent, but it depends on the species, right? Um, most organisms will have some level of pheromone communication, especially for uh, attraction to mates. So sex pheromone is a pretty common thing that a lot of things will kind of excrete to attract mates, um, let people know, hey, I'm ready to mate, ready to make offspring. Um, so there is a level of communication there. Um, some of our spiders are actually communicating visually through things like dance. Um, so if you want to look up fun videos, look up the peacock spider on YouTube, right? Um, peacock spiders are a little jumping spider that actually have the males have this little inflatable kind of pouches on the side of the abdomen in the back. And when they're trying to impress the female, they do this little dance and waggle their little tail feathers around. Um, so jumping spiders do a lot of these little slick dance moves where they're like, you know, waving their pedipalps and stuff in front of their face. So <laughs> they're, they're pretty good. Um, but we do get some behavioral communication like that and a lot of it does revolve around hey i'm looking for a mate so otherwise spiders 
primarily are going to be solitary organisms. Uh, a lot of the communication they might have is up close and personal, where one of them is saying, I'm killing you, to the one that it's eating. <laughs> so, you know, they don't have to talk a lot in that situation. They just get the, you know, pain and death and suffering. Right, right. So, yeah, they, they do that to each other a lot. So very happy. Yeah, spiders they're very are all upbeat the all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah, they, you know, not a lot of reason to talk to each other when you're really just going, hey, can I eat that one? <laughs> so, yeah. So it, it it's interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, we don't have any kind of audio recordings of things like spiders. Um, they don't really make a lot of noise. And whereas some insects and things like that will basically be able to kind of squeeze musculature in their body to force air out of the spiracles, the little breathing holes, to make a, a squeal or something, um, hissing cockroaches are a good example there. Um, spiders don't generally do that, so... Well, yeah, I mean, they're natural. Silent assassins. Natural hunters. Hunters yeah. are supposed to be quiet. They're like little ninjas. Yeah, you want to be yeah. quiet when you're hunting. That's right. Loud hunters don't usually come back with game. Well, loud hunters probably aren't as successful as yeah. quiet hunters. Yeah. Right. We should try it. Yeah. <laughs> just start screaming. On the next cricket hunting venture <laughs> just, to just collect scream. food for the company Christmas party. We will uh, We will see what works. I like that. Well, as you got to hear in the Go Anteater podcast, you can see that from the movie Eight-Legged Freaks, with lit talking to our guest here today, Travis Gates has talked about some of the many points as to why it's not super accurate when you look at it in the daily world, not just from the standpoint of radioactive spiders becoming this massive thing, but actually getting down more into the weeds of the science, the behaviors, and, and what actually makes up. Hey, this was a, a chemical spill, not radiation this time. Come on, Russ. Oh, my Come bad. On. Get you your know. spills right, I know man. the spills. Uh, sorry. Interruption. <laughs> but uh, we want to thank everyone for sending in the questions that they had for today, um, going over, looking through this. It gave some good insight, gave some good questions. Thank you, Travis, for your time and coming onto the podcast today. Thank you for dealing with me. Giving us your expertise on... Um, arachnids and how they're not insects but they are are very much a yes, something that we deal with on a very regular basis here at abc we do see them on occasion so and if you want to see them on screen eight-legged freaks is available streaming on amazon prime you can you can find it on there it was a rental but if you want to watch it because it's so good and we made it sound so good amazon not a sponsor <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no please uh stay tuned for the next episode we'll have more to come uh, more guests we like to do this type of thing and see where we can go as you can see with today's episode we kind of just like to have fun with it and uh get some uh interesting perspectives from everyone so thank you again travis for coming on to the go anteater podcast thank um, you for having me well i appreciate everyone listening and tuning in today please stay tuned for the next episode that we'll have um here coming out shortly Thank you again for listening to the Go Anteater podcast. This is Russell Jenkins. All right. Cheers, everyone. ABC Home and Commercial Services.